Welcome to Create a Mess Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of successful individuals in their field. Using the platform of the Triangle of Life, my interviewees will share their methodologies of how they use mental, emotional, and social platforms to find their physical, tangible success. So as the title says, Create a Mess, it becomes a play on words to create another type of MES in success. So as I always told my teams, I coach in my past, to create a mess, let's make a home away from home. Let's go. In episode six, I am joined by a young man who has experienced more than the normal person. Steven Sadosanti joins me for a conversation about a crazy long journey. Here's Steven's story and the miracle that went along with it. Hear about Steven and his extended family and how they helped him overcome the impossible. Learn of Steven's definition of toughness and how he can help the future from his experiences. We finish off with Steven's philosophy of life and how to never doubt him. Now, let's join your host, Stephen J. Fenton, with Episode 6. All right, folks, welcome back. Episode number 6, here on Create a Mess with you. This is your host, as always, Stephen J. Fenton. Just trying to spread that mess in the world and mental, emotional, and social strength all related back to your own personal triangle of life, which has to do with your physical, mental, emotional, and social strength that we're all in control, folks. And this is a podcast dedicated on bringing on people onto the show that can tell their stories, their experiences, um, their, their things in that their physicals, their tangibles that they've done in their lives that can really help you because this podcast is really designed for you to take small pieces from each of their stories and then maybe you can apply it to your own mess in your life to create it so therefore you can find your greatest success and happiness in your life to live the fullest life you can. And and folks, today we got a great episode. So this is a a young man who's going to introduce himself in a minute. Uh, His name is Stephen Sadozanti. I think I got that right. Stephen, did I say your name right? Close. uh, Sadozanti. All right. Sorry about that. Right. So does Sandy. <laughs> no, he's very Italian. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Folks, uh, buckle up. This is going to be quite an episode. <laughs> he, uh, Steven's got quite a story to tell us um, about his experience and uh, how he had to almost use his own personal mess to help him in his life through some experiences. But before we get to that, Stephen, if you can do me a favor... Um, just introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us who you are, where you grew up. Tell our listeners where you went to high school, college, your family. Um, tell us about your family, how old you are, and just a little bit about you and your life. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, okay. So, Steven Sarusanti, I'm from New Jersey. Grew up in a small town called Mountainside. And I am the oldest of five. I have three other brothers and one sister. They and um, they are all we're all pretty close in age. I have one in in high school, Tommy, and then there are three of four of us are actually in college right now. Wow. Um, I went to Governor Livingston High School in Berkeley Heights. My town was too small to have its own high school, so we joined over with the next town. Um, loved it there, and then I took that and went to University of Alabama, in which I'm in my last year it's my last semester and i've had a great experience um very very interesting experience but uh <laughs> i mean no regrets i love um i love it looking back on it um it was just it's been amazing um very grateful i came here and um the re- relationships i've been able to make throughout the years they're just relationships that just or I know are going to be there for life, and you know it's very exciting to me. Um, I got you know two parents back at home still in New Jersey. Um, everyone is in New Jersey. I actually have my brother Matt, so it's me, Connor, who's school in New Jersey, and then Matt, who actually comes to school with me here at Alabama. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. And uh, he takes advantage of that. He's always calling me and asking for help and pick, <laughs> pick classes for him. And, you know, it's really easy. He, he does his laundry at my place every week. <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Steven, I got to be honest. First of all, I bet you say go Bama quite often. Is that the saying they say out there? Uh, roll Tide is what they Roll yeah. Tide. There it is. <laughs> I'm an Irish fan. So, you know, to me, it's just uh, all I say is go Irish. But, um, let me ask you this, going back a step before we dive into your story a little bit. I mean, five kids and, uh, you know, four brothers, uh, you said four boys and one girl, you said? Yeah. I mean, that's quite, you know, in today's world, that is really cool, really interesting and big family. Can you tell us a little bit, you know, what your experience is being a, being a part of that big family, you know, um, some of the things that, you know, that you enjoy and some of the things that could be a little frustrating, but most importantly, I mean, that's such a big social connection that you became a part of. Talk to our listeners a little bit about what that family aspect is like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, family is, you know, the most important thing to me and I think to most people. But uh, f with five of us, it, it's been a crazy, you know, long journey growing up. I mean, when we were younger, uh, we fought, we fought probably every single day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we had a, like every single day. Even my sister was getting in on it. She was, she would beat, she would beat up, uh, she would hit us a couple of times because <laughs> she knows we, uh, we couldn't do anything. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, yeah, she would pick on us just as much as we pick on her. <clears throat> and you know, it's funny, but I think it kind of created a bond between all of us that will, is kind of impossible to break. And and I mean, at this point, I've, I mean. I'm my, they're my best friends, really. I mean, I call my brother Connor all the time. We're um, we're always communicating. Uh, Matt is. I'm always talking to Matt. You know, my sister and my younger brother Tommy. He's in high school, even though we're however many years apart. You know, we still talk as if we're like the same age. <laughs> and he'll call me up for some computer science help, and I'm more than happy to help him. You know, and he, you know, any questions that they have, they ask me and. Growing up as the oldest, I always took kind of, I was like, the, you know, the test run. So with my parents, <laughs> so they were always super strict on me and I was never allowed to do anything in high school. I always had to like be secretive about it. And then my senior year was kind of when I guess they just, you know, start to realize that, okay, maybe we don't need to be as strict and, you know, these we're, we are good kids. We know what to do what not to do and you know maybe they shouldn't be so worried about us so my senior year is when they kind of started to relax a little bit and not ground me every other week <laughs> and uh i mean I, yeah after that my brothers were just kind of they were they got the the easy route they uh really had no rules well they had like curfews and whatnot but nothing nothing like i had they were uh they they were able to have a lot more fun but <laughs> It's fine by me. I, I didn't really. It was, it's it's kind of funny when I look back on it, like uh, how much uh, how strict they were with me, and then just you know how much they learned from that, and then transitioned over to the other kids once they grew up and realized how you know much they don't like how strict that they don't have to be because um, they know we're you know we're a bunch of good kids and we know what we're doing. You know, I love the way you said it uh, too, Stephen. Is that you know, you're, you and your uh, brothers and sister have a bond that is impossible to break. And, you know, that bond was built with, I mean, you guys had time in the home. I love the stories you were saying where we all fight, uh, we all fought and even your young <laughs> sister got in. Uh, but like that does create a bond, which is the whole uh, purpose that uh, when I started this podcast was that's the social part of the, uh, the health triangle or the life triangle that somebody's trying to go after. And that could be for your case, it happened to be siblings. And, you know, for other people, it could be a friend and it could be friends or it could be, um, you know, it could even be a coach or a teacher or anything. And that, that bond, the social bond between two human beings is so, so powerful. I got one more because before we dive into your story, because I really want the folks to hear what you've been through, but going off of that, like being the oldest of five and, you know, you're, your parents were kind of very strict and tough on you. You were the test run. You were the guinea yeah, pig. Yeah. You were the first one. And, you know, it's a common story um, because parents, when they first become parents, it's a whole new adventure to them, too. And Absolutely. The coolest thing about being humans is that we grow and we go. You know, and uh, my question to you is, like, let's just say 20 years from now, <laughs> you have five years, <laughs> right? And let's just say your oldest is coming, too, and uh, starting to go through that. Would you? 
maybe do anything different? Is there anything that you like that they did as the oldest test run, the guinea pig? And don't be afraid to talk to mom and dad. I know they're probably going to be listening to this too because right. there's no right or wrong answer here. I think the, th- the cool thing is is that what your perspective is on that point. Right. I mean, when I think about it, like the future and kids, I think, you know, while my parents were way too strict, you know, like I know what's going on. Like I don't need to be that strict with my kids. But like at the same time, I mean, I have no idea how I'm going to be once I have a kid. I feel like you don't, you'll never actually know until you get there, until you have that kid, like what that feeling is going to be like. And um, I think everything that you thought was going to happen will kind of change at that moment. Um, that, like your first kid is born. It's like, because uh, I feel like it's just something that you can't understand unless it really happens to you. Because I, I just hear that so many times, like you, like you'll know once you have a kid, like oh, you'll you'll figure out, like you'll understand once you have your own kids, like. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, well, let me say this, Stephen. You said a better, best uh, way um, that could have prefaced us right going into the next question because you can't understand until it happens <laughs> to you. So your story is quite a story, and to be honest, with you I only know bits and pieces of it. So I'm going to be quite a listener here too. Um, so I'm really uh, excited for you to talk to our your uh, our listeners about your story. Your story was more of an experience um, that you didn't ask to happen, right. um, and in a way, you said it yourself: you can't understand till it happens, to you. <laughs> and you'll figure it out when you get there. So let's dive into this part of the show. I want you to talk to our listeners about your story. Tell us, uh, you know, exactly what happened, and uh, you know, then we'll dive into the next part of it uh, with the uh, podcast and the create a mess and how you handled it, but. Let's talk to our listeners about your story. Yeah, uh, I mean, quite it was quite a day. Um, I mean, it's weird, but um, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't. If I had to go back and have a choice about whether or not I would have that like same outcome of that day, I would want the same outcome just because of what happened afterwards. And it's crazy how you don't know, um, like why things happen and like i think things happen for a reason and this really showed that to me so i'll just um i'll just get into it it was so this memorial day will be like two years since the accident and it was on a saturday i believe i was in clan alabama at one of my best friends uh, place Jacob he has a lake house about 15 20 minutes away from his own house <laughs> which is pretty funny but it's where they all go where they all hang out on the weekend so that's where we went and we went to a raft up which is just kind of where a bunch of boats get together and just we just all just hang out on the water and we have a great time and it was it was a great time it was a lot of fun and then later on in that day, you know, we had, we went pretty early, so we got pretty tired pretty quickly and went back and realized that we forgot one of the girls there. And you don't know every, you don't typically know everyone at a raft up. It's just kind of people see it and join in because, you know, everyone's ri- driving around in their boats and looking for, you know, something to do and they'll just hop in and join the you know the party and we left one of the girls there but so jacob and i got on his jet ski and we went to go get her and i'm from like new jersey not close to the beach so i don't go i don't go to the beach ride jet skis i think that might have been my first time on a jet ski i feel like it i feel like i was definitely on a jet ski when i was younger but i can't remember (laughs) So that might have been my first time on a jet ski. But anyways, I knew how, like, he was my best friend. I knew how to, like, hold on to him. I didn't care where I grabbed him. I hugged him, like, super tight (laughs) and was not letting go. And then we went, we found her, and she hopped on it. But she didn't want to be on the back. She wasn't comfortable being on the back. And, I mean, I I wasn't going to say no. (laughs) So she got in between Jacob and I, so I was in the back, and now it was like, okay, how, like, it's like, how do I hold on to a girl? I didn't know, like, what to do there, and you can hold on to the back of it, but I'm, that's not comfortable to, I don't know how to do that either, <laughs> without, like, 
um, like just not being able to hold on. So I was holding on to like her waist, kind of, not really. <laughs> so then on our way back, the second we kind of hit any sort of wave bump, I kind of just went flying off because I wasn't really holding on to anything. And it, they went like uh, half a mile until they realized that I fell off because like, I guess I wasn't like, I probably wasn't even holding on to her at all. But I was just hanging out in the water. I mean, it was a beautiful day. I was just floating. I had my like life jacket on. I was floating in the water, just waiting for them to come back, just hanging out. And I guess some time passed because I did go a little ways before they realized I fell off. And I saw kind of a boat coming my way. And I, re I figured oh, Jacob like flagged down one of his buddies and told him to come scoop me. So I was like, okay, he's going to come pick me up. But he and he was coming directly at me, and um, he was going pretty fast. And I realized he wasn't stopping. And once I realized that, it was kind of at the last second, and the boat was, like, right over me. So I had to kind of get myself out of the way, and I slammed into the boat and tried to push off of it. And it, I thought it missed me. I thought I was good, but it actually just clip my leg the um the propeller and you don't it's the is so sharp and it's so fast you don't feel it I, you, I had no idea i got hit <laughs> like i know i got hit by the boat i had no idea i got hit by the propeller so i was like checking everywhere and then i lift my leg up out of the water and it was <laughs> it's didn't look didn't look good so <laughs> so once that happened i was now I was kind of panicking. I was screaming for Jacob to come and get me. He was he was right there. He was pretty close. So he saw me, came over, and he had to get me up on the jet ski. But the, now there's three of us, and I have, like, a leg that's all torn up. And good thing, um, good enough, his buddy actually pulled up, like, uh, coincidentally, because he was also looking for the girl. And so we took the girl and we put her on his boat and then Jacob pulled me up on the jet ski and then they gave me a towel and I wrapped that around my leg and I held on to Jacob with one hand and then he went as fast as the jet ski could go. And I think it was for like, like he, he told me he, he uh, like measured it and it was like three point like three miles we had to go. And we, we got back, we crossed the line where it was like the slow zone, slow down, and we are flying through it. <laughs> and that's when I kind of picked my head up because I had my head just like on his back, just kind of squeezing onto that like towel and holding onto him, just trying to focus on um, not falling off again. And I picked my head up and I noticed the plan, I guess the plan was originally to just go back to his place and we'll take a car to the hospital. But I saw people on a, like a, a dock. So I was like, dude, go there, just go right to them. So we, he did, we went right to them and it turns out it was, they were a just staff of nurses. <laughs> so they had a tourniquet, like a trauma kit, uh, like just with them, um, they were all, they all like knew what to do. They like uh, had my head up and knew not to give me like any water. Um, they wrapped my, like they put a tourniquet on my leg really tight. So um, to try and stop the bleeding. And then they called um, 911 and the plan was to try and get a helicopter to come pick me up. But it was Memorial Day, and it was there was nowhere the that the helicopter could land because it was way too like crowded the area. So they had to call, they had to bring an ambulance, and with traffic and everything, the ambulance took like forty forty five minutes. So I'm just like laying on the dock for forty forty five minutes. My my buddy Jacob is freaking out. He's I, I could see in his eyes that he doesn't think that I'm gonna make it and. I didn't think I was going to make it. So I knew that I had to like, like kind of it, like, it's really weird to like, I can't explain it, but it just, I just felt okay. Like I, it was fine to me. And I had to make sure that he knew that because I couldn't like go out like 
pan like that would have been a, I feel like a terrible sight to see. So I was I made sure to tell him like everything is is fine. Like I'm okay. Like it's not like don't worry about it. And the um, ambulance came like 45 minutes later, and it was a like 40 minute trip to the first hospital. And I was like I I felt myself kind of falling asleep. So I was just like <laughs> talking to myself and dropping F bombs for like 40 minutes just to <laughs> stay awake, just to try and stay awake. And I, I did, I, ma I got to the first hospital and they were all super nice. They had, they had a tough time stopping the bleeding, but eventually uh, they were able to. And I think, I don't really remember much, but I, I remember I was trying to crack jokes and <laughs> make them laugh, make them laugh. <laughs> but, uh, we, I went after that. I had to go to another hospital, which was another long drive away, for um, the surgery. And once I got there, I was in a room, and they were they were like uh, just kind of prepping me and asking me like I remember them asking me like, "Man, what happened? Like, what was what happened?" And I was like trying to tell them, but I was like freezing cold. And like I was shivering and I couldn't tell them. And then I was like, what? I was like, are you already, you guys cold? Like I'm freezing. <laughs> and then they quickly threw like heated blankets on me and I, and I, and then I blacked out for a little bit. So I'm not sure what happened there, but then I woke up in another room and it's like later at night now and I need to go into surgery. So I'm, it's pretty late. I tried, I didn't have anything on me because I was in the water, <laughs> so that they had like nothing to. I didn't have my phone or anything, and I was with my buddy Jacob and his family, and they don't know. They didn't know my family yet, so no one had like anyone else's number, like my parents' numbers or anything. And so I, I had I tried to call them. Once they arrived, I used their phone to try and call like my mom, my dad, but they were I think both in bed, and then I called my brother. Uh, Connor, I think he was in bed, and then I called my brother Matt, and he was like on his way home from a party, and he wasn't going to answer. And his 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 friend was like, "Hey, man, you should probably answer that." So he picked it up, and uh, he was like, "Hello." I was like, "Hey, Matt, um, uh, I'm, I'm in a hospital, and I need you to give consent for surgery." <laughs> and he was like, uh, "What?" So I had so the, then the the nurse quickly grabbed the phone because she realized someone answered and was like, Hey, like he needs to go now. And Matt, I, my brother Matt was like, uh, okay. Yeah, like, okay. Cause I was, they gave me so much uh, like painkillers that I wasn't allowed to give like consent for myself. So they had to get it from some, like another family member. So Matt, uh, gave, gave it to them. And then I went into the, um, surgery room and, um, didn't know if I was going to wake up with a leg or not, <laughs> but they, um, they told me that, you know, they were going to, I guess, you know, like obviously try their best and, uh, that's all I could have asked for. So I, they, they knocked me out and then I woke up the next morning and I still had my leg and I was still alive. So that was pretty good. And then he walked in and he like uh was he touched my foot because he didn't he didn't think that i was gonna have feeling in my foot but i did i felt it and he, yeah he awesome. was um pretty pretty shocked at that if you awesome. saw his face because then if i didn't i would have had to probably have worn some sort of um cast to that would all that would have uh kept my foot at like a right angle because i wouldn't have been able to uh move it at all it would have been like a it was like a i'm not sure what the it's called but it would have been like a dead foot so then in order to uh work with that you have to like just wear something that'll just keep it at like a 90 degree angle for you and but luckily i still had um feeling in my foot and I still had my leg. So, I mean, with all of that, it was a miracle that I was 
still alive. And it was even more of a miracle that I still had my leg. I didn't think I was going to have my leg. I had, didn't feel it. I feel anything on the first uh, hospital ride over. I kind of was like, um, tell myself like, all right, like we're not going to have a leg anymore, but we got to just kind of, you know, stay alive and we'll get through it. It's not a big deal. We'll, uh, like there's prosthetics out there that I could use and I'll figure it out. So I was trying to, you know, prepare myself for that. Cause I was, I was pretty sure that that was going to be the case. And, um, after that kind of went home and uh, I, I didn't want to go home at first, actually, it was really, it was really tough for me because you know, I was, I was, uh, I was like a tough kid. I worked out a lot. I got into it my senior year of high school. I, you know, one of my best friends, Alex Melendez, taught me everything I could, like most of what I know about fitness today, and was just an amazing friend. Got me to a level of fitness I would have never thought I would have been able to get at. And you know, ever since then, I was always in great shape and just a strong kid. So the fact that I was now like bedridden and couldn't even walk or move just wasn't something I was able to comprehend at like at all. It was like, no, I'll be fine. Like, uh, I'll be fine. Like I can go. Cause I was supposed to take a few like summer classes and then, um, finish up in the next year. Cause I didn't want to like stay any longer, but, um, I had to, I didn't realize it then, but it was, I definitely had to go home because I would not have been able to, um, like, do anything if I stayed. I was, like, thinking, oh, my friends were could have, like, helped me out, but that would have been way too much to ask for them to do because it was, it was a lot. And then going home, when we visited, like, other doctors, we visited a few to kind of find uh, the right one for this sort of situation and all of them just kind of looked at the x-rays and just like shook their head because of how close it actually was. I was, um, I was one millimeter away from the artery. Oh my so gosh. I was kind of just, yes, I got saved by one millimeter. <laughs> you know, first of all, you said it earlier. Um, Stephen, when you said, I think things happen for a reason. I mean, it, for, this story is my folks. I'm sure you're here feeling the same emotion that I'm feeling right now. I mean, you know, when we hear something, what happens to human beings and something like this, it, 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 it our motion drops and, you know, we feel the sense of, um, um, I don't want to say sadness, but empathy for somebody who has to go through this traumatic experience. And like you said in the beginning, you wouldn't have changed it for right. the world. Because, I mean, think about this. From your friend Jacob to the nurses being on the dock to your brother Matt <laughs> answering that phone and giving consent after a party. All the way to, you know, you waking up and there's your yeah. leg. And it worked and there's the doctor's face. So... You know, my first question to you is going to be a little um, is going to be a little different. I kind of want you to talk to our listeners because you just described in your story a lot about what this podcast is, the internal self, the human being. And I remember you told a part of the story when you were on the dock and Jacob was a little bit in panic mm -hmm. mode. And it's it's really awesome how much you can you know, recollect from this because you know, the human spirit or the human soul is a lot stronger than it realize, especially in situations like this. So this all ties back to, you know, the person that you were raised as and the person that you have become. If you could just kind of talk to our listeners about through those, through that entire experience and even into, like you said, when you decided to go back home and kind of like decide that, you know, you want to focus on your rehabilitation physically and mentally, what were those those, those mental and emotional and even your social, like, I mean, that could even been your family that you relied on that helped you. Those little <laughs> tactics, those little pieces from your life that you can now say were the things that 
made that human spirit so strong in that moment where you told Jacob, it's okay because of who you are. Talk to our listeners about you and what you were thinking, feeling from then till now about that. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, I, I guess, I mean, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, on the dot, it's not really something I can, for well, that situation and specifically, I can't even, I can't ex- begin to explain it. It was just kind of just something I felt like it just kind of felt everything was going to be okay, whether or not cool. I was going to make it in that moment or not. I mean, I, I didn't think I was going to make it, but even so I felt I was going to be okay. And I needed to, I saw Jacob, you know, pacing and, you know, like just freaking out. And I was just, I knew in that moment I had to make sure that he knew that I was okay because I was. And I, I kept telling him, you know, relax, like I'm okay. Like it's going to be fine. Whatever happens, you know, it's, it's, it's not your fault. It's not anybody's fault. It just, this is what um like, I guess like my plan is it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, and maybe I, it's supposed to end today. Maybe not, but either way, you know, it's going to be like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And then, uh, um, I mean, yeah, it turns out like that wasn't the end of my story. So, but yeah, it's just hard to like, it's like not a feeling that unless you in that situation, like you could like compare it to. But it, you get you get a perspective on life after something like that that is like um, is just like life changing. Like you kind of just see the world differently, and like life and ex- like experiences and relationships and all that. You know, is you can see, like it, it means a lot more, and you know you realize like. Um, how everything just could have been taken away so quickly and not to really, um, I guess, waste time and kind of make the most of what you got and every moment, um, make the most of every moment. And I mean, a- after that, it was a long recovery process. The beginning was um, the toughest part, I guess, for me to like kind of realize I needed help. And then um, because I, I did re- like resist wanting to come home. I didn't want to go home at all. For, um, Cause I thought that, yeah, like I'm, a, I'm tough. Like I can figure it out. I can stay like, I'm, I'll be fine. I was kind of rude. <laughs> I was pretty rude to like my mom and my brother <laughs> who were who helped me out on my way on the way home. My brother flew down to help. My, my mom flew down immediately, and then my brother flew down a few days later, and we like rented a car to, you know, to when we drove from Alabama back to New Jersey. And I was just kind of just a like a in that moment just a sad mopey kid, just because I feel like you know, ah oh, man, like everything's over. Like I just it took years to get to like the physical level like fitness that I was in and I, it, I, it, I just had it stripped away from me and you know there's these class I was supposed to graduate on this like day and I needed to take these classes over summer to be able to do it and now it's gonna be pushed back even more like everything is you know falling apart like uh, like ruined like whatever and like you know that's just kind of I didn't realize what it all meant yet because, I mean, how could you? You just kind of, <laughs> it just happened for no reason as well. You were just, it was a beautiful day and you're floating in the water and then out of nowhere, your uh, life changes. It's, it's, uh, takes some, takes some time to kind of accept it, really. And it took me a little bit of time. Uh, I got home and I didn't realize that once I got home is when I kind of realized how much help I really needed. And that was kind of the hardest part for me to accept because I was, you know, I was, I was a big kid. I was one of the biggest kids in my senior year of high school um, because I worked out with people that were older than me and were, knew like just a lot about fitness. And I was able to learn from them and just kind of grow quickly. So at, 
all my friends were asking me for like fitness advice and uh, meal plan, like and <laughs> advice and help with that. And I always helped my friends with like math. I tutored uh, even in college. I, I had a bunch of friends that I tutored in math, and I would always help other people out. You know, I never really, I never asked for help, and I guess I really never even knew how to ask for help. So when it, it came to sort of that situation where I came from not even knowing how to ask for help to having to ask someone to get me a cup of water. It was really hard to like accept. But um, once I did, it, it kind of opened up this new part of me. And that was kind of, um, is, was okay with asking for help and realized that it is okay to ask for help with anything really. And um, that kind of, that helped me out later um, that year. But the uh, physical therapy process was long. It was a long summer. I went, I think, three times a week. I didn't really um, care what time I went at. It was usually in the mornings, like eight, nine, seven, sometimes even 6 a.m. I went. <laughs> I wasn't really doing anything else, so... Um, I was uh, always wanted to get in there and work on it, and it's mainly because I guess the real push was when people kind of saw me and looked at me. It was like, oh, like wow, like he's like he what like he's done. <laughs> like I kind of got that feeling from when people looked at me, like like his leg is torn up, his leg is broken, destroyed. Like his uh, man, his he's done. He's never going to get back to where he was at before and when people doubt me that's kind of when i shine because i, I love it when that's people awesome. doubt me because i always prove them wrong so then mm -hmm. that kind of drove me to continue to keep pushing and going to therapy and i would constantly stretch and work out on my, on my own at home like what i by that i just mean like i had to squeeze my thigh <laughs> 20 times like in the morning and at night <laughs> and stretch wow. out my hamstring. I couldn't really do anything at the beginning. But because of that, I quickly um, healed. And I think part of that was uh, me accepting, you know, the situation and help from others. And my mom, my brothers, my sisters, they were all there for me. They were amazing. Couldn't have asked for anything else that summer. They were all willing to help me and just kind of hang out with me because they knew I, my, my my daily routine was wake up and maybe therapy and if not therapy I would wake up go downstairs to the couch and then hang out there until I had to go back to bed <laughs> so it was very uh long boring days but I, you know I, once I accepted it it was a lot easier you know uh, Stephen, um, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I wanted to tell you this. Uh, so your story, I mean, even the way you're describing, you answered that question so well without even probably realizing <laughs> it that you talked so much about that create a mess that I kind of described <laughs> through your own personal mental and emotional journey. And then being able to just ask for help and how important it is to have that connection. And like you said in the beginning, that that bond that is impossible to break between your family, your brothers and your sister. I mean, you had to do that with your own you know, family as well as even people at school, as well as with yourself having to make that choice mm -hmm. to come home. So I love how you said that, you know, your perspective changed through this traumatic event. And folks out there, as you're listening to the story, we don't have to go through Stephen's story and God willing, we don't want to because, you know, it's a very traumatic experience and there's been movies and books written after people who have gone through, um, traumatic events and persevered. And Stephen, I could see a movie in the future <laughs> <laughs> starring Stephen, the yeah. Italian <laughs> from Jersey. So my question to you is this. Fast forward now, I don't know, 20 years, say. Let's say you're a coach. It doesn't matter the sport. You've got a young boy coming in. 
and he's talking about toughness. How would you talk to him and describe to him what toughness really is and really means? I would tell him that toughness is more about um, being tough on the inside than it is on the outside. I think being tough um, mentally will um, kind of help out with being tough physically. And if you're tough mentally, then you could take that and really go anywhere with it. Now, um, and that's exactly what you have, you know, gone through in this experience. And do you also believe that somebody can be tough emotionally? Absolutely. And even through this experience, Stephen, you've had to go through your own emotions, yeah. not just even when the event happened, but even in the, uh, the time to follow when, you know, you had to decide the correct um, choice to come back home. I mean, um, there had to have been emotion oh, there. Yeah. Like, and you're this tough guy who's, you know, as you described, working out with bigger guys back in the high school days. And here you are having to go through that emotion. So let me ask you this. I'm sure you've heard of this before, but my biggest point of doing this podcast is to talk about what the human spirit, which you just described so well, this has been such an incredible episode. I want you to know that. And um, I'm really thankful that you're able to share your story because the whole point of this is to help the world. And even something as small as telling your story, Stephen, and you never know who's out there and can take a right. small piece from this. So I talk a lot about in my, um, my podcast as well as in my own career about balance. And I talk a lot about it in terms of what we talk about on the podcast about creating a mess, mental, emotional, yeah. social. So do you believe in balance and do you try to practice balance? And what does that mean to you? Well, I want to go off of your, um, your point about how, like being tough and like what the emotional um, uh, part that I had to go through, like, the, I mean, yeah, I was, I was a tough physically. Um, I mean, I worked out for, for years at that point. I was very strong. Um, but like I went through some intense, you know, like meal preps and workouts and, uh, but nothing, none of those throughout the years prepared me for something like this. Like, I mean, trying to, having to make that decision to come home was, you know, was tough. And, I mean, it was very upsetting. Um, and I remember there was one point, just that whole, you know, journey was just very tough mentally and emotionally. And I remember there was one night where, like, we went out to dinner and I was just, uh, we got home and I was going up the stairs. And I had, like, um, there were, like, three people behind me, like, I think my mom and, like, two of my brothers. And I was just, they were just kind of watching me because I was, you know, struggling just to get up the stairs. And I like, I kind of tripped and I mean, I caught myself, but I was, um, I had my crutches and I was just, I was slamming them against the floor out of like frustration <laughs> because I couldn't just get up the stairs. And I mean, it was, it was tough, very tough emotionally. I mean, I, I cried like a good amount, <laughs> I, like it's kind of like, why, like, why does that, did this happen to me? Like, what did I do to deserve this? And, you know, it was hard to kind of realize what the reason for it was. And I mean, two years later, like now it's so much has happened because of that day. Like, I don't even know where to begin, <laughs> but I had no idea then, like, I would just sit, I was, couldn't get up the stairs, and it was one of the most frustrating things to me ever, and just couldn't figure out, like, why this happened to me, and what the reason was, and I'm, I mean, and then going to, like, I think it's great to have balance with, you know, mental and emotional and physical strength, whether that's, you know, meditating, I try to meditate when I have um, the time. I think everyone should make time to meditate and just kind of um, 
sit there and relax and be grateful for what you have and emotional strength, whether it's just talking to your family or just listening or just, you know, talking about your emotions and letting it out. And then, you know, there's physical strength, which, you know, fitness is great. It, um, going to the gym is my, like, I love it. And then I think balance is, you know, absolutely important. And, um, I think everyone should definitely focus on like all um, three of those and not like just one in particular, even though, you know, the, everyone likes the physical <laughs> strength and like to look strong and big. And the other two are definitely, definitely just as important. And I mean, the, the relationships that I made and the opportunities that I had because of that accident, like I had to, take a class that summer and because of the accident I couldn't take it I had to take it in the fall and because of that I met who is now one of my best friends who's also his name is Steven <laughs> yeah great he, and he you know was like just like me with the same energy and the same mindset and we kind of motivated each other and you know we got through classes together and learned a lot and then the next semester which I took a class in which I would have taken the previous semester, but because of the accident I had to take it then. And someone stood up in the front of my class and talked about this, this cybersecurity club. And I've always loved cybersecurity and I wanted to get into it. So I joined, so I, because of that, I joined it and I'm now the comp, the captain of our competition team. And I'm currently looking for jobs in cybersecurity <laughs> and because That's I joined amazing. the club, I made relationships that, you know, I never would have if um, that accident didn't happen. So it's it's really, really incredible how, you know, some things happen for a reason. And, and it's really hard to, in the moment, realize that. And um, But later on in life, down the road, you'll, like, I definitely, like, that's why I say, like, if I could go back, I would do the same thing again just because of how much has happened because of it. And since then that it's, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's really, it's really crazy. Well, like you said, right. It happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta tell you this folks and to you, Steven, especially, and be honest with you folks. I, 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 I believe I've met Steven once. We have a connection through both of our moms, but, um, I haven't met you long enough to even remember what you look like, to be honest. So uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because um, being a longtime veteran teacher and coach myself, I truly believe that. Um, and I believe that God built people special and he put you through this for a reason. And here you are now um, being a leader of the world and helping our world because our world needs it. We need people like you. Um and although I haven't met you, I can tell you I've coached a lot of people and taught a lot of people in my career. And you are without a doubt one of the toughest mentally, emotionally, and socially human <laughs> beings I've met even thank at you. your young age. I mean, thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> You're very welcome. And I'm saying it from my experience. And um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, now, before I let you go, I have one more question for you. Um, I think this is going to be a little bit of a neat question. But okay, so. You wrote a book in your future, mm -hmm. okay? And your book is about life and uh, perspectives and things that happen. And, uh, you know, it could, it could be a, a, a biography about yourself. It could be anything. Just it could be thoughts. What's the <laughs> title? Um, let's see. That's a good, that is a good question. Maybe, well, I think for me, it would be, don't doubt me. <laughs> awesome. And then, awesome. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, because of all of that and um, that mental and emotional strength that I got, I was able to not only recover, but from Janu January, I was given the green light to start squatting again. I started at 95 pounds and in uh, by the end of March, I was squatting 335. Wow. Are you talking about this January? The January after the accident. So the accident 
Yeah. Wow. Good. And you went from 95 pounds to what did 335. You say, 395 in that yeah. short span of time. It was unbelievable. I, I was determined to, because before the accident, I was squatting 315 like quite easily. And I was determined to, that this was not going to stop me from getting back to where I was previously. So it was, I was like focused in on strengthening my legs and, you know, properly. And I, I didn't really overdo anything. I, I, I did it right, but, um, I was able to grow quickly and get back to where I was pretty quickly before even a year since the accident. And folks, it doesn't matter if it's squatting. It doesn't matter if it's uh, you playing guitar. It doesn't matter if it's even just simply something as a job <laughs> or a relationship, because if you put your, uh, if you don't doubt yourself, just like the author of a book <laughs> written by Steven <laughs> says, Absolutely. You can do that, and that's the whole point. To this, that's the whole point of this podcast, Stephen. I, I, I got to be honest. Uh, this has been one of my favorite <laughs> episodes. Um, it's truly been. Thank you for sharing your story to the world. Um, you, ne you never know the impact that somebody can take from hearing right. your story, and um, I'm really uh, proud to have had you have you on the episode. Uh, you, you really are. A tremendous thank you. Young thank man. you so much. That means a lot. Absolutely, it's been a pleasure. So, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am because truly we're just trying to take people in the world and we're all human beings. It doesn't matter if we're famous and it doesn't matter if we're not. What matters is, is that our human spirit, our human soul is strong. Our human soul is tough, just like Stephen said. So, folks, I hope that you uh, use this for yourself and your own uh, aspects of life because the only thing we can't get rid of is stress. And as Stephen talked about through his story he certainly had a stressful experience so let me finish with our final statement um and we'll see you again on episode seven for create a mess um and here's our final statement lesson for a whole life have a balance everything be better we'll see you on episode seven folks this is